Every day, 130 Americans die from opioid overdose. Some of us are in invisible prisons today, even as we try to appear free. Sales of alcoholic beverages are up 55% compared to a year ago. I believe God's going to set you free. Welcome, everybody, to another episode here on the Recovering Reality Podcast. I am extremely excited today about our guest, Dr. Carolyn Leaf. How are you today, Dr. Leaf? Very good. Fantastic. And yourself? I'm doing quite well. I'm doing quite well. I'm here in Florida, so the weather's kind of, it's always nice. It gets a little hot in the summer, but yeah. uh, we're, doing, we're doing good down here. That's good. That's good. Well, we've got Dallas. We've got quite cool weather here and we've managed. We, we were hit by that snow storm just recently and lost all our power and lights and water and internet was an experience, but now things are back to normal. Oh, that's good. I didn't realize you're in Texas now. Yes, we're based in Texas and that's this is where our office and studio and everything are basic. Uh, we do travel to other parts as well. That's awesome. My brother's in Houston. Yeah, okay. He, he got hit with some of that as well. Oh gosh, it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> but at least I'm we threw it now. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad it's all passed. Well, I am uh, very honored to have you on today. And I, I read your book, Switch On Your Brain, for the audience. Uh, I highly recommend this book. I've been recommending it to all my clients for, for years. You. It was very impactful for me. I think I read it twice and just looking through my notes in it, I, I think I want to go back and read it again. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm going to give just a little bit of a background. Uh, Dr. Carolyn Leaf is, well, she's smarter than us. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> but So a communication pathologist, a cognitive neuroscientist with a master's and PhD in communication pathology, and a bachelor's in logopathetics. Did I, Lo- I, Lo- logopedics. Logop- <laughs> logopedics. <laughs> Uh, specializing in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology. And you have been uh, buried in this world since the early 1980s with research and writing and speaking and studies and testing. And it's safe to say that you are an expert in this field. And we're very honored to have you on today. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Ab- absolutely. And for those who, who maybe haven't heard of Dr. Carolyn Leaf, wh- where have you been? Um, but she has, <laughs> so I think if I counted right, six books? Nineteen. Just came out no, oh, this, no. Is the, this is the 19th book, the one that you don't have there. This has just come out two weeks ago, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. And this is book number 19. <laughs> I was, I was way off 19 books. And you know, I've been writing for so many years and, you know, I write a lot of scientific journal publications and things as well. So yeah, so this is no, no, no problem. <laughs> I have not got the new one yet, but I definitely want to. Well, I, I really want to dive right in today. And I asked Dr. Carolyn Lee if she would come on and, and maybe if we could just dive in a little bit about triggers, because, you know, as my listeners know, uh, I zero in on addiction and the recovery process and obviously hope and connection to God. And that is, uh, well, that's right up your alley. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Mind is my thing. <laughs> yes, it definitely is. And, and I have, I've learned a lot from your books and, and I've uh, also studied some other people. I, I'm, I'm no I don't have any degrees or anything, but I know a little bit at least about it. And it fascinates me 
what goes on in our mind and how that is connected to the spiritual world and how we really can transform our brain and our thinking to be to to completely separate ourselves from the past and become something brand new and i mm-hmm. i i love the way cuz you put the the scientific definition behind it and the why behind it well what's taking place in the brain what's taking place in all that and so i i really really appreciate it and i'm excited to dive into it with you um, but let's just, let's just do that. So I'll just say for me, it was, it was 13 years of drug and alcohol addiction. It was bad. And mm-hmm. my life changed rather quickly. And one of the things that helped that take place was every single morning I was disciplined at getting up and praying and reading and writing. And I began to experience like, like I'm starting to think in ways that I, I've never even had this thought. Like I've never looked at the world like this. And I, I began to experience, well, the new creation reality. I didn't necessarily have all the words or theological explanation or anything like that to put behind it, but I began to experience quickly um, what is going on. And in the midst of that, I also began to experience that um, something we call triggers. So out of nowhere, I'll hear a song or I'll see a TV show or a billboard or hear a conversation and all of a sudden, it sparks memories. Uh, my emotions get going, and all of a sudden, temptation hits, and it become, can become hard in that moment. And I would love to hear <clears throat> from yourself being the expert in the field, what, what exactly has taken place in the mind spirit, and, and tying that to the spiritual world? What's taking place when that trigger hits, and it seems overbearing, and you can't overcome, say, the temptation in the moment? What's, what's going on behind the scenes when that hits? There's a lot going on behind the scenes, and it's an excellent question. And the, I think the easiest way to answer that is to first understand what the mind is and what the brain is, and understand the difference between the two, and understand what a thought is and what a memory is, and then we'll understand a trigger. Because that's the reason why triggers are such powerful things is because we don't really know what they are and where they come from. But as soon as you do, you've got them under control. And that's what I teach. I'm going to in... enjoy this conversation. <laughs> this is good. So, so that's what I basically teach. And, and overarching uh, the 38 years of research I've done in the field, um, overarching what I do is teaching people mind management to be able to manage our minds, which we are able to do, which is essentially bringing all thoughts into captivity and renewing our mind. So it's the science of that. I started out very clinically with people with traumatic brain injuries and learning disorders disabilities and autism and Alzheimer's and dementias and heavy stuff, extreme trauma, like war trauma. I worked in Rwanda post-genocide and worked in apartheid South Africa with all the trauma there. And so worked with a lot of sexual trauma, addictions. So, so this, I, is, this is intense trauma. This is intense, this, intense yes. stuff, big stuff. And in that time, I developed a theory of mind and um, understanding the difference between the mind and the brain, because there's there's been a lot of mix up and misunderstanding around that. And I saw over the 38 years of my research and as I practice for 25 years, I don't practice anymore because I don't have time. I now do this and I now teach people and do, do these, uh, write books and conferences and that kind of thing. But essentially, um, all that knowledge of being in practice and all the research, I still do research. That's something I still do. And in this latest book, I've put my most recent clinical trials. I've put a summary of them into the book in a very simple way, just to show that whole understanding of mind brain into integration and interaction, which will help us to understand triggers as a, as a concept, because it's a huge role. And 
we all, every human responds to triggers, not just someone who's been through an addiction. As humans, we respond to triggers. So having said all of that, the, the, I developed a theory, I developed a system of, because working with patients in extreme trauma and extreme challenges, whether it's an addiction or whatever, any of the things that I've mentioned, and just being with humans, just being a, a human, just being alive and dealing with life. What I needed was something that was, how do we, understand this agency that we have, this mind that we actually, what is mind and do we have any control? And if we do, how do we bring a thought into captivity? How do we, because obviously the thoughts related to the triggers and related to what we're doing, how we show up, how can we manage all of that? So that's just a big picture overview of where I got to today. And I've developed a concept over the years, scientifically tested, and it's, a, it's, it's actually a system called the NeuroCycle. And the NeuroCycle is a five-step system that helps you to be able to manage your mind. So in the book that you read there, The Switch on Your Brain, the early versions in there, and, and it was just basically the five steps, um, the five steps within a within a 21-day cycle detox, but then three cycles of 21 to get to 63. So now we've made it, I've made it even more simple and updated that into the neurocycle. It's called the neurocycle. It's in this most recent book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, with the research, very simple, very hand, hands-on stuff. Now, I'm telling you this to tell you that the answer to how you manage triggers is the neurocycle. So the neurocycle is essentially taking um, taking the concepts of what is mind, what is brain, and how do you use your mind to change your brain and to change the response in your brain and your body. So that's the, that's the, the baseline, that sort of the introduction to the concept. Absolutely, now and I loved how, you know, in the midst of that, you even tied in um, agency, you know, like understanding we, we have, we're in charge here. We, we can make these decisions. We can, we can change things. I love how you tied that in with that explanation there. Absolutely. That's so important. In fact, I talk about the pathway to empowerment and the pathway to empowerment. And actually, you'll see there's a little graphic. I'll see if I can grab it quickly. I've got a graphic in here of the pathway to I'll find it as you're talking um, in this book. Um, I, in my most recent clinical trials, I showed how as a person recognizes the agency through self-regulating, through self-regulated mind management, they can then look at an issue like a trigger, which is basically a warning signal that there's something going on and it needs to be addressed. And how would you then look at it and how would you address it and how would you basically reconceptualize it? And that's essentially the pathway to empowerment. So the neurocycle, which is the system of mind management or self-regulated mind management is how you would deal with the trigger. And it's essentially bringing all thoughts into captivity and renewing the mind. So I've run this, basically brought the science behind that huge concept. So what, 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 what would help now is if I explain to you what mind is, what brain is, what thoughts are, what memories are, and what triggers actually are in the brain and the body. And then Please. I'm just going to quickly link it into that scripture as a foundation because you've got the sort of background foundation now and you've got the concept of self-regulated mind management and you can, and the trigger would be managed through the self-regulated mind management and the neurocycle is how you would do it. And I'm obviously going to explain that but then i just want to quickly remind everyone of that of that scripture because you've both said it now well i've said it a couple of times and you referenced it too renewing the mind which and the key thing there with renewing the mind is it's ing we're supposed to always be renewing the mind so it's a continuous thing and that's very Daily. important because Exact, daily, moment by moment, every every moment that you're awake, you should be renewing. And then at night when you sleep, you sort out the renewing. So you prepare yourself for sleep during the day. So renewing is not something you do when you go to church on Sunday or, or once a week or whatever. Renewing is a lifestyle. And then if you also look at the other scripture, bring all thoughts into captivity. All, all thoughts is a huge concept. My question was, how many thoughts do you have to bring into? What does that mean? What does that actually look like on a practical level? You'll, to you'll bring know all this, thoughts? but isn't it isn't something like 
it's tens of thousands of thoughts. We have yeah, I write about that in, in this book as well. Yeah, so it is, it's in any one in any one day from the time you open your eyes till the time you go to sleep, you will build at least 8,000 to 10,000 thoughts. Wow. And I'm, exp- I'm going to show you what a thought looks like in a moment. But those, but, but it's more. And to build each thought, you actually are going to be informed by existing thoughts. And that means that, like, for example, now, as I'm talking, all kinds of thoughts are coming into your head. You're building a thought at the moment of the information I'm giving you. But to build it, you have to draw on existing in, existing thoughts. So in any one day, you'll build eight to 10,000, but you're going to have at least thirty to 40,000 going through your head. Because each th- thought you build is informed by five to 10,000 thoughts. So if you don't have any kind of self-management, mind management, self-regulated mind management in place, you're going to stay in a messy state. Now it's, that, that is, it, it's okay to be a mess, but not if you stay there. You're supposed to be messy and then managing your mess. And that's why I actually called my most recent book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Because- because we are, we naturally are going to make a mess. I mean, that's a lot of thoughts. And in our conscious mind, we have agency. Let's talk back, talk to the agency thing again, this path mm-hmm. to empowerment. We are able to look at those thoughts and actually manage them if we train ourselves to. And that's what bringing thoughts into captivity is. It's an empowerment process. It's a, it's an agency process of, okay, well, I did this, but this is the impact. What should I have done? Or why am I doing this? Or what is this pattern? So from the time we awake till the time we go to sleep, we are supposed supposed to be constantly evaluating and self-regulating what we're thinking, feeling, and choosing and building and what's informing the building process. Now, that sounds like a tall order, but from neuroscientific research, you can do that every 10 seconds, which means that we as humans are brilliant and capable of self-regulating ourselves the entire time that we're awake. And that's what I have researched and that's what I teach people to do. And it is transformative. You will own the trigger. The trigger won't own you. That's where you'll get to. You'll get to the point where you'll own the trigger. The trigger won't own you. And that's huge when it comes to, you know, yourself recovering from addiction. Um, that's That addiction is basically a way of, it's not a disease at all. It's basically a way of um, coping with a, something that's happened in your life that you're trying to suppress. So you're going to something to try and drown out whatever, whatever is there. So, and then, and then you build these patterns into our brain that then we fall back into. So let me now explain how that happens. And then we can, we're coming full circle. We're answering the trigger question but you need to understand sort of the basics of where where we're going to otherwise otherwise it won't make they have the same impact sure i want to chime in real quickly here uh not to interrupt but i just want to say first of all i feel like i'm getting smarter just talking to you why well, am sounds good and, <laughs> um also i, I love it because you're putting language to and you'll notice of course but for our listeners that verse we're referencing is romans 12 2 the renewing of the mind um, be transformed by the renewing of the mind. And in that word transformed, we it's it's the Greek word is where we get our English word for metamorphosis. And, and it's even the, the way you're describing it is this continual ongoing managing our thoughts, being aware of what we're thinking and stepping into the metamorphosis of living into this new creation identity of becoming newer, newer by the day. And it starts exactly. to start thinking. I love the way you're describing it. Yeah, I showed with my research when you live that kind of lifestyle, when you live a self-regulated lifestyle, you'll manage anxiety and depression and those kind of things that scare people so much by 81%. Now, just a 10% management of, of depression is going to change your life. Imagine 81%. And that's wow. not with drugs. That's just you using your brilliant mind. 
So now let's understand what mind is and what brain is and, when you, and, and what a thought is and what memories are because it's, it's phenomenal. When people get this, it's like life transforming. We're in a narrative currently where people tell us that the brain and the mind are the same thing. Most people use them interchangeably. Most people talk about my mind, my brain, they'll put their hand towards their head, my brain, my mind, but they're not the same thing. They're two completely separate constructs. Here's a brain in a skull. So for those of you that are listening, I'm holding up a brain in a skull. It's not real. <laughs> okay, it's just a model. And this, you, this is not you. This is something that you control. This is your physical aspect. I'm holding up a model of a body. And this body basically is also not, this is the physical part of us. So the brain and the body are the physical part of us. It's 1% of who you are as a human, around one, maybe 10%, one to 10% of who you are. What is the other 90 to 99%? Your mind. So what is your mind? Your mind is your aliveness. It is the difference between us sitting here having a conversation. We are alive. The difference between us and a dead person is our mind because you, if, if someone was right next to us, I mean, this is a morbid thought, but if someone was right next to us and they were dead, there would still be the whole physical brain and body if they right. just died, but there would be no action happening, that they, there would be no response and the brain and body is going to disintegrate. So the difference between a dead person and an alive person is mind. So mind is your aliveness. It's this energy force that is all around your body and it moves through your brain and your body. So your brain and your body are responders. They respond to um, the, the mind. The mind is the actual force that we use to process life. So you're on a physics level, the mind is this energy field around the body that moves through the body, which we can explain using things like gravitational fields. Now, gravity is the reason we're sitting and not floating. So we, we understand gravity, we're in gravitational fields. We all understand that. But we also now understand the research that every single body has their own unique gravitational field. And that disappears when someone dies and that gravitational field has electromagnetic properties and electros and and also it's like a, a quantum properties and that moves through the brain and the body and that's why we can use something like an EKG which then picks up the electrical flow in the heart or we can use a QEEG which is the technology I use for my research which picks up the electrical activity in the brain if someone's dead and I put a QEEG on their brain we won't see any response but in a live person we're going to see a response and that goes for the whole body the blood the electrical flow through the blood. All of that is the mind moving through the brain and the body. So the brain, the, the mind is this 99% of who we are, our aliveness. And so philosophically, it's our aliveness. So um, on a physics level, it's this gravitational field and electromagnetics, Einstein's work and so on. And then on a psychological level, it's how you think and feel and choose. So that's what, so that's the most simple definition of mind. Those, see, my three fingers are held together. When you, you're always thinking, when you think think you'll feel when you think and feel you'll choose so you always think feel choose think feel choose they don't operate separately you don't think without feeling you can't feel without thinking you can't choose without thinking and feeling so the three go together and that's mind in action so this energy forces gravitational field this quantum field that is around and through the brain and the body is our thinking feeling and choosing so right now the listeners and the viewers are hearing words and seeing images but they are um, actually it's electromagnetic light waves and sound waves that are that are being received by the field and then by this energetic field and if, 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 if anyone's thinking oh energetic field that new age let me quickly say quickly up front this is where christians really miss it so much and it really is disturbing please because i've i've heard people talk about this too and i i'm 
I'm really glad you emphasized that. I'm going to do this. Christians have got to open their mind more. If you don't, if you think energy is bad, then don't use a cell phone, don't use Zoom technology. What do you think is powering up this Zoom technology that we're using at the moment? Energy, electromagnetic fields. So what 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 works for cell phone? Electromagnetic fields, energy. What what is keeping you alive? What your, the, your heart beating? It's energy. So energy is simply a word for describing what we don't understand in terms of, um, in term, not we don't understand what we can't see in the physics world. But it's basically what is driving everything. So it's and then we've also got to look at the word science. Science comes from the word sclera. Sclera means knowledge. God is the source of all knowledge. So the study of science is the study of God's knowledge, and the Bible is the story. So the Bible is the story the science is the how the story works so science is so spiritual energy is the job 32.8 life force that moves through the brain and the body so this is the 32 job 32.8 that's mind literally the mind of christ god is we've got i talk about godness and not god because as soon as we say god people start putting god into 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 their exactly. very small the, definition, definition yeah. exactly. exactly whereas godness is beyond what we do because then they come then all the cultural differences come in and people define god in their way and then there's arguments that's not what love is God is God is Godness and God is loveness and God is the source of all knowledge and this world runs on energy. If there's no energy, the world does not work. Energy is the source that basically keeps everything going. It is the force around the it's in gravitational fields. It's there's all the different forces that that we have. And I don't want to go into too much of a physics lesson, but that is all energy. So it's not anything weird. So well, I'll it, say it, this to your point. Sorry, just really quickly too. I learned something is. It's uh, Hebrews 4.12, I believe. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. That word active there, well, it's the Greek word. I'm probably mispronouncing, but I believe it's energis. Well, it's where we get our English word for energy. You could literally say the word of God exactly. is living and energetic. That would actually exactly. be theologically correct to say it that well, way. Well, it is. Absolutely. And you've got to stop getting hooked up in semantics anyway. It's good that you said that, and I'm, I'm very pleased that you did. But there's there's a, um, it's very limiting if, if uh, and, and I teach in churches around the world, and I teach in medical conferences and neuroscience conferences, and I train, and I work in every sphere, every culture, every religion. I teach this mental health message. And we have to recognize that energy is not something weird. Energy is basically a force. Here's, a, here's another simple way of understanding it. If you take a magnet, we all know that if I hold up a magnet now and there's a little um, paper clip, it's the paper clip is going to be attracted to the magnet. We, we all know that. We, that's not something, that's energy. That's an electromagnetic field. Is that evil? Of course not. That's just basic science. Right. Now, if you take that, if you imagine that that magnet is like the brain uh, the, or the brain and body, it's this physical thing. And when the magnet's working, if you take a, a piece of paper and you put a, a, a pile of iron filings, like just a bunch of little tiny iron filings, and they're just in a pile. But if you bring the magnet in and you put it in the middle, immediately the iron filings will arrange themselves in a, this beautiful electromagnetic shape that looks a little bit like a spider all around the magnet. And that's what the iron filings are basically in the in going into the electromagnetic field. So the point I'm making is that when we take the iron filings away, I can't see the field. But when I put the magnetic filing, I mean, I put the iron filings there, I can see the field. So it's not because you can't see it, it doesn't mean it, no, it doesn't exist. These scriptures that talk about the invisible becomes visible. You know, so there's a lot of scriptures about that. So energy is the invisible that creates the visible. And that's what's happening here. The invisible 
mind is what we use to create the visible. So as you are listening to me now, I am sending out invisible electromagnetic sound, light waves and sound waves. You're receiving that into your field and your thinking, feeling, choosing energy power from God, the mind of Christ, whatever you want to call it, is taking that and converting that into using the brain and the body into a physical structure in the brain that looks like a tree. So you are actually creating in a Genesis moment, you're building trees into your brain that are thoughts. So mind builds thoughts and these are physical structures. So from the invisible, we get the visible and this visible here is the content of the experience. The current experiences are discussion of mental health and triggers and mind brain and all the stuff. So this thought, like you have a, an apple tree and a fir tree and a, the different types of trees, a thought would have a name. So this thought tree would be mind brain or mental health. Let's just say maybe mental health or triggers because you initially started off by talking about brain and triggers. So you whatever, everyone's going to have a slightly different name, but let's just call this mental health, the mental health um, or brain mind uh, tree, whatever you want to call it. Now this, as a tree's got roots and branches, so does a thought have roots and branches. So in this little pot, there's going to be the roots of this little tree and the roots are memories and the branches are memories. So a thought is a, what is one concept, mind, brain, or um, bullying, or um, the, the article you read or the work you do or the experience. So everything is thought concept. That's, that's the big concept. The detail of the concept are the memories. See, so the tree is the tree, but the detail of the trees and the branches and the roots. And that's how thought works. So thoughts are like trees and the roots are the source, the origin story. So what we, what the words I'm speaking now are the roots that you are building into your brain through your mind. So I'm speaking, I'm sending out electromagnetic sound waves, light waves, your energetic force of your mind is receiving this, pushing it through the brain and converting it into these made of proteins and chemicals and vibra quantum vibrations in your brain. You've just directed neuroplastic changes in your brain. You've just had a genesis it's literally moment. literally changing the landscape of your brain. You, you're designing the landscape of your brain. That's, that's Revelations 22, 3 through 5, which talks about how the, we, basically the garden in the brain. And that's, you know, you talk about where it's, where it's coming from, the source and all that. I don't want to go and give a whole theological lecture now, but that is essentially that is what's happening. So this is real and that's full of memories. Now, every time you think about this, as I'm speaking, I'm giving you more information. Now, here's the interesting thing. My words to you and the listeners are the roots because it's the origin. I'm telling you the stuff. These, the tree trunk is your perspective of what I'm saying and the branches are your thoughts, feelings and um, choices around what I'm saying. So your interpretation of what you're hearing. So you're all hearing the same thing, but you're all interpreting it in your own unique way because of you, the unique way that you think, feel and choose. This thought collectively will then show up in your life in how you apply it. So this is what, this produces what we say and what we do. So whatever you say and whatever you do, and now we're going to come full circle back to the triggers, whatever you say and whatever you do is coming from a thought. It doesn't come from some random nothing. It comes from the fact that you had an experience. You built that experience through your mind into your brain as a thought. It also, this thought also, it looks like a tree in your brain. It looks like a quantum wave in your, in your, around your, in your energy force around your body which is the mind. And it also goes into the DNA of every cell. And we have 37 to hundred trillion cells. So this experience, and you have eight to 10,000 a day are being built into your brain in three places. And 
the conversation we're having now, if you don't do anything with it, within 48 hours, this would have converted into heat energy because if you don't if you don't stabilize it, it'll just convert into heat energy because energy is never lost. It's always transferred. So it'll get transferred to heat. But if you want to remember this information, then you have to work on it over a period of 63 days to stabilize it in your brain. So behavior change doesn't come after 21 days. It comes after 63 days. After 21 days, you'll I've heard get, people talk about that. It, yeah. Yeah, so well, most, most people most people talk about 21 days. There's very right. few of us that talk about 63. There's about five of us in the world that have done the research. <laughs> and I'm one of them. And the research is in here on, on the 63 days to change behavior. So it's so important that we actually, and a lot of people, I've taught so many people now. So that's why I'm so glad it's getting out there into, I'm so tired of people saying 21 days, 21 days. Because 21 days does do stuff. It'll take you 21 days to reconceptualize the thoughts and to get what we call gamma peaks in the brain. But you won't have behavior change in 21 days. Days. You don't have a habit in 21 days. It takes another 42, at least nine weeks, which is 63 days. But now here's what's really interesting. Now we come to the triggers. Here's now toxic tree. Here's the healthy tree. So this is a healthy experience that we're having today. What happens if you got bullied at school or bullied in the workplace or traumatized as a child sexually or whatever, whatever that's the, that's the, look, I'm pointing to the roots. That's the origin story. That's the source of your pain. And it built as that. So that's the thought of this painful experience. So maybe it's sexual abuse or it's bullying or it's um, I'm not worthy or something. And that is, has nothing just happens. The way you show up in the world, which may be as an addiction, whatever, in terms of your life is coming from something, depression, anger, anxiety, uh, fighting all the time, constantly worrying. The way you showing up is not just some random thing. It comes from an origin. It comes mm -hmm. from a thought, which comes from an experience that you had. And this is toxic. And our brain and body and mind are not wired for toxicity because this is not love. This is not loveness. This is not godness. And our brain, body, and mind are wired for love, which is survival. God is survival. God's all godness is love. Is loveness is survival. And so what we see is that we are that this is now threatening survival. So therefore it creates a response. And that response then is to make us fix this. And so something like an addiction or a um, depression, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, extreme anger, all of those things are not neuropsychiatric brain diseases. They're not mental illnesses. That's the wrong narrative. It's the narrative we've been sold. Okay. It's the wrong unscientific narrative. The correct narrative is that, is that all of those from the addiction to the depressions, et cetera, are warning signals of an underlying cause. And what we have to do is embrace those for the messages that they carry, not be frightened of the addiction, the, the trauma, the, I mean, the, the addiction, the depression, the anxiety, the manifestation, the behavior problems, but to look at them with curiosity and to embrace them because they are messengers telling you to be a thought detective to find out what the origin of the story is. And until you've done that work, you will always continue to be triggered by events and circumstances because this thing, uh, anything that is a trigger will come from this combination of the roots, the perspective and how you interpret that. And this was basically just, a, this is the coping of that. So if a child is sexually abused, the, this response of I am shame or I'm not worthy and that manifests maybe in relationship issues. I'm just giving you a big picture thing. Um, sure. That is that is not, we know that that's not the truth, but that was a coping mechanism at the time. But you can't keep these because this goes against survival. These thoughts 
are as real as something like COVID virus. So we understand that the minute COVID virus enters someone's body, the immune system immediately responds to get rid of it because it's threatened survival. So the immune system is there to keep you in that wired for love zone. To, to, so it sends out your T lymphocytes, B lymphocytes, macrophages to fight the COVID virus or the bacteria or the other virus, the flu, whatever it is. Any invasion, any threat to your survival, that's why God has built an immune system into our design, the brain and the body. And they connected through the gut, the immune system of the brain and the and the body are connected through the gut, which is interesting. So essentially, the toxic thought is the same as a COVID virus in terms of the body's response. So the brain and body would look at the COVID virus and it would look at the toxic thought in the same way, both because both are a threat to the survival. So what I'm trying to stress here is that a toxic, a toxic, and I call this a toxic tree because it comes Mm -hmm. from a toxic source, is as real physically as a something like the COVID virus. And therefore our body's trying to get rid of it because it's threatening survival. And that's why we'll feel it in our body, in our brain and in our mind. It's a whole experience. And that's why a trigger causes a flashback and you re-experience it holistically in your brain, your body and your mind. And the only way you get control over a trigger is to understand and do the work of embracing, processing and reconceptualizing this into this and then once you've got the healthy thought, now have a look very carefully here. No, you've taken all the energy from this because energy is always transferred and it's a process and, and I'll explain that in a moment and how long it takes. I'll explain all of that. Once you have the reconceptualized version, if you look deeply into this tree, you'll see some of the leaves are dark green and some are light green. The dark green is how your past is going to play out into your future because you're not controlled by the past or you are if you don't manage it. Once you're doing what I'm telling you to do, you're managing the past. So you're changing how the past plays out into the future. So no longer does this toxic tree exist. It now is this healthy version. And this healthy version, the light part is your story of the addiction. Like you can tell your story. That's this part, but it's no longer like this. It's Eric, it's no longer like this. It's now changed into this because that's how you now are. The dark leaves are how you now are. So what what would trigger you is parts of these things related to your story. So at this point in your life, you know what you, you've done the work to, cause you set free. Now you've done the work. You've, you may not have done it as, as knowingly, you would have knowingly that you were doing this whole process, but you've done the work of finding out this and deconstructing and creating this. So you recognize that that would have been a trigger. You know, the typical one, if, if someone was addicted, had used a, a, um, alcohol as, as the addiction, um, basically you don't, you're not going to go hang around in a bar in the early days of, of recovery because right. it would be a trigger. So here's the thing. Once you to, to find this, to recognize that, uh, let me start here. When, when we have this, this is so painful and so traumatic that we look for ways of, of suppressing because, and that's how we cope. And initially that's what we do just to cope, just to survive. And that could be anything from an addiction to alcohol, exercise, food, pornography, um, obsession with looks, um, uh, OCD symptoms. I mean, there's just so many ways it can manifest. All of those are indications of a broken mind, of a mind that is battling, not of mental illness, but of someone who's trying to use something else to push this down. But it never goes away because these are like weeds in a garden. Until you pull them out by the root, they keep they stay there and they keep regrowing and they keep getting bigger and bigger until you deal with them. And that's why the triggers become stronger and stronger and more dominant. So the trigger then activates the, the desire for the behavior. The only way you're going to get rid of them, um, get overcome that is by taking this and converting it into this. That's going to take you cycles of 63 days. 
In the first 21 days, you have to spend at least 15 to 45 minutes a day working through um, the mind management process. And I don't, my system is not a technique. It's not a therapy technique. You, you still go to therapy. It enhances therapy, but it's what you do with your mind 24-7. If you go to therapy or coaching, going once a week or twice a week or whatever, you're going to live with yourself 24-7. So the system I've developed of mind management what you were exposed to the, the earlier version in the book that you mentioned in the beginning, so sure. in your brain, is what you would do. And now the updated version is in this this with more research and more simplified in this book, Cleaning you've, Up the Mental you, Mess. You've sold one more copy. I'm getting it as soon as we're off. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, well, just as long as it helps people. So basically the five steps that you would, to get this to this, you need to do the five steps of the neurocycle every day for 15 to 45 minutes. And I'm stressing this because this is how systematic, how much work, how much research is behind this to show you this is the how-to. 15 to 45 minutes daily for 21 days. By 21 days, you would have taken the energy from this tree. Um, okay, so as soon as you're aware of this, this is already weakened. As soon as it's weakened and malleable, this means these branches can start breaking and becoming these. So you take that energy from there and you grow this. Now, at the end of 21 days, you would have deconstructed and reconstructed into this through the five steps because the five steps help helps you to go from the addiction to the interpretation of how you saw yourself which produced that addiction which was the addiction was because you can't handle this because this is terrible about you know you this is just so terrible and then it's as you go deeper it's not supposed to be there we're not creating it's not, for that no exactly and then you look at your perspective and you look at the origin story and 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 the source should never have happened we're not designed to hurt each other it's an abnormal thing so anyone who's been badly hurt and I don't know your story and maybe you should just quickly tell me your story in, in soon as I'll be finished in a minute or so and we can track it back to your to this example but essentially once you've you've got to uproot this you've got to get this out and, and get it up and as soon as it's out it will die we know if you up in something by its roots it's going to go and that's what you're doing with the five steps every day is you literally are finding what all of those are and you're uprooting as you find a root you are basically uprooting and you're building it into this so at the end of 21 days you can say I was addicted because of and there may still be levels of addiction i'm not going to say it's all finished in 21 days but here's the thing this plant is tiny it's not strong enough yet for behavior change so you still could very easily be triggered and fall back into the addiction and regrow this so what you have to do is practice using this new new thought very actively and deliberately over another 42 days and it's in those 42 days that you grow this and give it enough energy that it's strong enough to move from the massive non-conscious mind which operates 24 7 and which basically is where all your experiences from a, a certain age in the womb till the age that you're at today the good and the bad are stored and there's so there's a lot of competition and if this is small and you still got this has got pathways you haven't yet found if you don't stabilize this those this will come back so you you have to spend the time growing this and making it strong enough so that when and then when this is strong enough your behavior starts changing which then enables you to see oh okay this thing grew a root to there i need to go work on that that's also part of my addiction and that's another 63 days and at the end of that you're okay now that and it may take you four or five cycles before you actually find all the elements of where this thing has connected to other parts other other thoughts in the brain because these things are insidious and they move like a virus and they spread so it takes you time and that might be a lifetime of work but as you're doing that the trigger is managed in the 63 day point it's not going to be managed at the 21 day point but you have to do the whole process otherwise you will continue for the rest of your life no matter what you do to be triggered so i don't know if that helps sort of explain it's a big concept oh, that we're covering here it is and i'm going to need to go back and listen to it a couple of times that um it's 
Let me let my let my brain catch up here for one second. <laughs> I'll say this for me. You know, this was 11, 12 years ago uh, in, when my recovery started. And all I knew was that my life was a disaster and I had seen other people and their life had been transformed. And I had it, I had enough of an understanding, like, I'm pretty sure God can help me. I was just kind of where I was at. Right. And yeah. but the things that helped me so much were getting up early in the morning, the routine of it, reading, writing, praying. And at about a year into my recovery, and I'm, I'm sure you have plenty to say on this, but consistent fasting was was transformative for me and i began you know the the way you're describing it is one of my favorite chapters in the whole bible it's matthew 13 where jesus talks about the seeds he gives so many there's like i think seven parables he gives in there about the seed the, the parable uh, uh, the mustard seed the, the three different kinds of seed where it lands and i love it you know one of the things that has so helped me personally and i stress it to all my clients is writing because when I, you know, since that the lie, I mean, one of the ways maybe to, to describe what you're saying too is the lie has got to be replaced with truth. You got like to, it's got to be, it's got to be, you got to get rid of it and replace it with the, the and correct. And you've got to do, it. yeah, exactly. And you've got to be systematic. What you said there is so true. You've got to be systematic. Now, if you see in the five steps of the neurocycle, the third and fourth step are writing steps, but they're two very specifically different writing steps. So the basically the the how to of what you're talking about and. Uh, I mean, the how-to of what I've been talking about, the neurocycle, you've got to write. The writing is massive, but you first got to gather awareness. So the first step is being is becoming aware, is making that decision to be aware that, okay, I've got this addiction. The, uh, and not in a condemnatory way, in an embracing way, um, in, a, in a way that I welcome it. This is a helpful messenger. There's a story behind it. It's okay. Give yourself permission because there's so much guilt and condemnation laid onto people. It's not a brain disease. It is a, a warning signal that something is going on in your life so for you did you find that there was uh, when you started was was there a cool what the what there the, was it was not did you find the reason for your addiction was there some trauma in your life in the past what what was the reason behind your addiction well i definitely experienced some trauma multiple times in in the mess of it all um early on the earliest thoughts of why I got started with it was because I didn't feel like I was cool enough. I guess you could say it's a very simple, maybe foolish way to say it, but I wanted, I had just moved states and I wanted to fit in with the cool kids. Like I felt unworthy. I felt like I'm in this new place. I don't know anyone. These are the kids. Apparently they're cool. And, but as soon as the chemicals got in there and, um, you know, and it brought some calm to the storm, albeit counterfeit, it, I was off to the races. But initially it was just, I didn't feel like I was, I felt like I didn't fit in. I felt like I wasn't cool enough. And the cool kids were doing that. And that was the entry point right there to 13 years of chaos. So, so there we go. Thank you for sharing that. So in other words, your root or origin was that feeling of unworthiness and the need to mm -hmm. be ex accepted. And you were at what age at that point? 13. Okay. So that is that between the ages of 13 and 20 is the most difficult of the entire human life cycle. It's so madness. <laughs> they are, they are. And so at your most impressionable time, when your brain was going through major changes, you were going through major hormonal changes, when the need for acceptance is probably the most important need in terms of a hierarchy of needs of that age, you felt you had to, you were taken out of it, an environment that was comfortable and familiar and put into an environment that was uncomfortable and probably had things said to you that you perceived 
perceived as you being unworthy. So that is a huge trauma. And so that would have been the root. And you couldn't, your, your way of coping was to try and fit in. And the chemical was a way of, okay, well, I don't feel that pain. This was so painful. And so the cycle was set up and you did it for not realizing it, but you would have done it for long enough, 63 days. So it became a habit. So every time the trigger, which was the pain of I'm not worthy, I know how to get rid of that. I can go to the drug. I don't have to feel that pain. And until you actually realized through the writing process, it helped you to gather awareness. It helped you to reflect, which is the second step. And the third step is, is, a, is, is writing. And I teach a form of writing in this book. And it's also in the, uh, I introduced you to it a little bit in the, um, the book you held up is the Metacog. It is one of the most phenomenal ways of deep finding these roots super quickly and introspecting. So, and then the four, but it's kind of chaotic. So the first stage of writing, which is step three of the neurocycle is very chaotic because you just got to pour your brain on paper and you commented, you saw things there that you didn't know were there. So, and then the fourth step is to start sorting that out and to try and find the triggers, the activators, the antidotes. And then the fifth step is to have a little action step. Now you do those five steps for 15 to 45 minutes a day. You're actually spending around about three minutes on each step, three to four to five minutes on each step. Um, so it's, it's very deliberate. Not it's very organized. It's no, it's the intentionality it's, of it. It's the attentionality and it's also you you can't solve Rome in a day. So what I found with when I was working with trauma and I still practicing is it's this the system works so effectively that you think, oh, I'll fix this in two days. You can't because your brain has to go through the process. Right. You just do a little bit each day and you mustn't go for all day. So that's why I say limited. By 45 minutes, you you put your time on, you stop. And and you just do the active reach, which is step five. And step five is very simplistic, very simplistically, some kind of a positive action that keeps you in a positive place and not going back to ruminating around the toxicity. So whatever you learned in that day, maybe you learned, oh, okay, I feel, I, I don't have to feel unworthy or the cause is unworthiness and it's okay. Something, it'll be a simple statement. And every time you want to go back to the bad feelings, you're going to hang on to the, you're going to train yourself to focus on just that statement. So I, I explain it in depth in the book. I explain that in absolute depth in the book. And there's also an app called the Neurocycle app that goes, that you can get with a book where I literally give you therapy. And in that way, you can then get to the point where you get these reconceptualized, then you stabilize those, and then you start overcoming the trigger that wanted to pull you back to that feeling of unworthiness, which was then suppressed with the addictive substance. So that's basically in a nutshell. Just, just that. That's it. <laughs> that's it. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. People oh, are looking man. for the magic elixir, the magic formula, the quick fix. There's no quick fix. No. There are at cycles of 63 days. It's a very system, system, systematic, deliberate, regulated process. And not only is the neurocycle then good for that day-to-day -day work, and, and you, for the rest of your life, you neurocycle. For the rest of your life, you, you are renewing your mind. Like you clean your teeth every day and you bathe every day, you neurocycle every day. Now, the more you do it, the more you can then use the five steps quickly in the moment. So you can use the neurocycle, like let's say you have an argument or you read something on social media and you feel imposter syndrome or something throws you, someone says something to you and it throws you and you've got to get yourself together for an interview or something. Um, and you can use them in those five minutes to get your brain back on track because you're using your mind, your wise mind, which is your wired for love mind to control the messy mind to then basically drive that process in the right direction. So pretty much it's how to solve. That's what mind management is. Pretty much I'm teaching you how to do that all the time. It is so transformative and brings so much peace. And you, you, so you enjoy life. Despite all the, the traumas of life, you can learn how to manage them, which is key. Oh my goodness. It's so it's, I'll just say this quickly, but you know, it's, it's one of the things I tell people all the time when it comes to a specific addiction is it's like, look, you can't, 
you can't think a certain way, act a certain way. On top of it, you're putting poison into your body. For me, it was 13 years. And expecting a week, all of a sudden, everything is completely different. There's some work that needs to be done. I tell no, you, it's, it's a long not going to happen overnight. It can't happen faster than most people think if they're, in, if they're genuinely engaged in the process, continually yeah. doing the right work. But it's not a magic trick. It just doesn't happen over No, here. you'll feel, you'll see, and I put this in the book too, is that you'll see that on day 7, day 14, day 21, day 42, day 63, there's five key points where you'll feel massive change. And it's very encouraging. And, and I show all the brain scans of what's actually happening. So some, so on days one, two, four, you don't feel like anything's happening. And so it's nice to know that there is actually stuff happening because I showed, I show all the brain images and the blood markers because I looked at blood and I looked at DNA and everything showing that when you use your mind, mind to when you when you tune into your wise mind when you you, we've got a messy mind which is totally fine it's given to us by god it's how we learn it's our agency it's and and it's okay to make a mess so we've got to stop bashing ourselves on the head and sin 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 it's okay to mess what we're supposed to be doing is managing the mess what we're not doing is we're not managing the mess we're getting into a mess and then we're whacking scripture on as though it's a band-aid and you and using god as or a magic potion and using god as a genie no that's not how it works you have to get in the garden like jesus did and you have to go through and process everything and you know reconceptualize and you know that's 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 the whole thing it's not going to happen as you said overnight you have to deliberately and intentionally work in a very systematic way and deliberately over time and that's why i talk about the 63 day cycles so now you have a time frame and you've got to do it all the time once you finish one cycle you do another one you just keep going oh my goodness i could we could talk all day long man I, it's <laughs> it's powerful and um i i know you're a busy woman i want to honor your time and I just, I really, really want to thank you for coming on. And maybe I can, maybe I can uh, track you down to come on one time uh, in the distant future. But I want Absolutely. to say this. I want to say this, guys. The books can be found on Amazon. Uh, Dr. Leaf, just drleaf, uh, drleaf.com. I highly, highly recommend digging into this stuff, following her on Instagram as well. Um, for our listeners, thanks for joining today. And I thank you so, so much for coming on. I'm going to have to go back and listen probably two or three times. So. <laughs> my pleasure and my instagram handles dr caroline leaf so they'll also be able to get lots of help there there's lots and lots of things i put up every day to help with these these concepts yeah you're you're in there almost daily putting up this valuable every day. simple every stuff. every day yeah every day i put up stuff well thank you thank you it's been great meeting you and it was a great conversation thank you oh you're so welcome thank you and thank you to our listeners for joining us and uh maybe i can't track you down to come on one more time absolutely with pleasure. I'd love to. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us on the Recovering Reality Podcast. If you're looking for more recovery resources to help you in your journey, you can access our YouTube channel, a free ebook, our podcast and blogs through recoveringreality.com. You can also connect with us about recovery coaching, sober companionship, or interventions. And if you're looking for treatment for you or a loved one, you can reach out to a very well-respected treatment center called Banyan Treatment Centers at 866-942-8154.